0: Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are you all ready for the Bible today? All right, I'm going to open up this morning with Joshua 22, verse 3, which says this. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites, Would you say not deserted? You have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission the Lord your God gave you. Let's take a moment, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for family, for natural family, for church family, spiritual family. Uh, God, we thank you for the family of God. We love you today, and right now, God, we open up our ears and our hearts to receive from your holy word. We thank you, God, for your word that speaks to us, your Holy Spirit that brings light and life to it. And Lord, we just listen for your voice in our lives. Lord, I ask for the empowerment and the leading of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today. It is such a privilege, but Lord, my prayer today is that what is in your heart and your word will be imparted today with authority and power. We love you and honor you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Today, I, I'm going to share an Old Testament story with you that begins in Moses' t- day and in his leadership, and concludes in Joshua's day and his leadership. Um, And when I say Moses and Joshua, I'm talking about in the Old Testament before Israel was established within their borders and their country. Moses had brought them out of Egypt and out of slavery, and for 40 years they had wandered the desert because they were not ready to go into the promised land that God had for them. But Joshua would be, um, if you will, in Star Wars talk, Moses' Padawan uh, learner, or uh, his disciple, as we would say in Christianity, right? And uh, he would go and he would lead the people into the land of Israel to take, uh, take the land that God had promised them. And this story uh, starts with Moses' time prior to going into Israel and, to, and receiving the land of Canaan and ends in Joshua. And we're going to open up in Numbers 32, verse 1. And there's, there's two groups of people that are going to be mentioned right off the bat, which are called the Reubenites and the Gadites, and what that means in scriptures when we say Reubenites, it basically means the tribe of Reuben. And so, it basically, you know, if, if we, there were if there was a tribe of Hennegans, you would call them the Henneganites. So this is the tribe of Reuben, the Reubenites, and the Gadites are the family of Gad or the tribe of Gad. You follow me? So Reubenites and Gadites is not an infection; it's not something that you need a cream for. Okay. So the Reubenites and the Gadites who had very large herds and flocks saw that the land of Jazeer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eliezer, the priest, and the leaders of the community and said, Ataroth, Dibon, Jazeer, Nimrah, Heshwabon, Elieha, Sebam, Nabo, and Bamo. I feel like I'm practicing for a play right now. Me, my, mo, my. Um, the land that the Lord subdued before the people of Israel, are suitable for livestock, and your servants have livestock. If we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as a possession, and do not make us cross the Jordan. Don't make us cross the Jordan. Now, this is a this request comes before Moses and the leaders, and Moses is really upset with this request as we continue on in the scripture. Um, he's concerned that if he allows these these two tribes, to settle east of the Jordan um, that the remaining tribes are going to decide that they don't want to cross the Jordan and enter in. And for Moses, he feels like he's replaying history from 40 years before. Because 40 years ago, he sent 12 tribes into the land, and the, or excuse me, 12 spies into the land. Those 12 spies went into the land, and only Joshua and Caleb came back with good reports like, man, God's got this. We can take the land. We can receive this. And it was the 10 spies who came back and said, I don't know. They're really big. they are giants in the land. I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if God can do this. Spread a a report of fear in the land. And fear can be contagious. And the people caught the the virus of, of fear, if you will, And they were like, I don't know that we can do this. And so the Lord said, fine, if you don't believe that you can do this, then you're right, (laughs) basically is what he says. And you're going to wander in this land for 40 years. And everybody who was 20 years old and older died off over those 40 years. And the next generation would have another opportunity to go in. And so here's Moses 40 years later. Only Joshua and Caleb, who were above the age of 20, would be allowed to go in. Everybody else, all their contemporaries died off. And Moses is going, I've seen this play before where, you know, people say, let's not cross, let's not go in. And the last thing we need is fear to be, is to go in, into the camp. Now, I've got to tell you this morning that your words matter. And I want to ask you the question today, are you, with your words, spreading a report of faith? and hope and trust in God, or are your words spreading a report of fear and doubt and doom and gloom, right? And the question for us is, are we allowed to be honest? Absolutely. But what report and who is our trust in and and who can do all things and is all powerful and all knowing and who has got this? And it's our God amen and so we have to make we have to watch over the words of our mouth because the words of our mouth are only a reflection of what's going on in our heart right and we want the words of our mouth to proclaim something that's in our heart which is that our God is above all and able and creative and can do all things and we trust in him and we know that he's got us amen and so you know Moses he's got a real a, a, He's really being wise when it comes to hold on a second here you're asking to not enter the land but here's the thing the Reubenites and Gadites would come back with to Moses with an offer you see they were attracted to the land because these two tribes were shepherding tribes and they're looking at this land and they're going man this land is suitable like, it is perfect for our flocks. And, you know, the land at that moment was free of adversaries, which meant all they had to do was inhabit it, and it was theirs. They didn't even have to, like, put up a fight. Like, it was theirs right then. And so it really made a lot of sense to settle this prime real estate right then. Otherwise, their adversaries could settle it, right? And so they really sincerely saw an opportunity. It, it And their motivation wasn't necessarily, like, we don't want to, to put up a fight, or we don't want to contend. It was really that, man, this is, this is what we want. As a matter of fact, we don't need an inheritance on the other side of the Jordan. We'll take this. And so they come back with an offer in Numbers 32. We're going to pick it up in verse 16, and it says this. Then they came to him, to Moses, and said, we would like to build pens here for our livestock and cities for our women and children, but we... We'll arm ourselves for battle and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their place. Meanwhile, our women and our children will live in fortified cities for protection from the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of the Israelites has received their inheritance. We will not receive any inheritance with them on the other side of the Jordan because our inheritance has come to us east of the Jordan. And so what they say is, listen, let us settle now. We're going to build pens for our livestock. We're going to settle. We're going to build cities. And our women, our children are going to leave here. Um, this means our, inha- our adversaries won't be able to inhabit the land. And this is an opportunity. It's a good opportunity. But they made this commitment in verse 17. We will arm ourselves for battle and go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them to their place. They make this commitment, listen, we will cross the Jordan. Before, when they talked to Moses, that their first offer was, we'll stay here, we're good. And Moses was concerned, right? But they said, listen, we will go in and we will help you, and we will fight for their inheritance. You know, as believers, we don't settle into our blessing and forget our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't fight alone. We're not created to fight alone, but we fight together and we fight for one another. We contend for one another. We don't leave one another behind. And in John eleven thirty five, 35, it says this, it says, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. I think it's easy to sometimes settle into a blessing in your own life and kind of want to almost build your own fortress in that, in that area of your, of your life, right? And go, you know what? I'm good. You know what? You know, like, We're not thinking about health until health has is, is touched our family, right? Or we're not thinking about finances unless the, the financial challenge is at our doorstep. In, in our Western kind of thinking, that's, that's oftentimes where we can get to. But this principle of there is this larger family and we're in this together. We're actually meant to be in this together. Um, the, only, the only way we can contend for one another is if we know one another. That's the challenge, right? You're like We have to know what's going on in one another's lives to be able to fight with one another. It's one of the beautiful things about the gift of prayer. It's the, it's the ability to go before God and to take the needs of one another to God and say, here's what my brother needs, here's what my sister needs, and not just, you know, here's what's going on in my life, but here's what's going on in my whole church family's life, Right? And the only way that we can contend with one another is to know what our brothers and sisters are contending for, right? We got to know, like, what is Sister Sally or Brother Joe, what is it that they are contending for? What is the thing in their, their life that they are trying to move forward? And I will tell you something. I haven't met a believer on the planet who isn't contending and praying for something. Who isn't before the Lord saying, this is an area where I know that God wants to move. I know that He wants to restore this relationship, or He wants to work forgiveness in my heart in this area to and restore a relationship. Or uh, people who are saying, you know what, I need to I need a greater closeness, a greater intimacy with God. I need to know God better. Or you know, people who are praying for the salvation of friends and family and issues that are going on within a family, right? Or that um, people who are contending for health and contending for the the being. You know, Jesus went and by his, to the cross and by his wounds we were healed and, you know, we lean into healing because we believe that healing is the children's bread and that God his desires to heal and not to make people sick and so we want to contend for people for their healing and for their wellness and, you know, to lean into those kind of things and to lean into, you know, that that people's finances will be in order, both their stewardship as well as their blessing that God will have his hand on those things and leaning into those things but you know sometimes it's easier to pray for the thing that you're already praying for in your own life and that's really what this scripture is about it's that you can receive an inheritance and still fight for your brother and sister's inheritance and do it in a way that's not condescending in a way that well you know if you had faith like me you'd already be there relationally that's not what we're looking for can you imagine the Gadites and the, and the... and sorry, it's so weird for me to say Gadites and Reubenites. Um, if they were, you know, rolling in there and going, "Well, you know, we got ours, but you know, we're just we're just here to help out." I love how they say, "We will go ahead of you," like and they recognize that there's a there's a battle, but we're willing to battle together and not just rest in our own blessings. But actually, I think our own blessings in the places where we've received our inheritance, places where each one of us has a story where God has made a transformation in our lives, where he's done something in our lives. And that that um, that transformation doesn't lead us to a condemnation a condescending relationship with people, it leads us to be jet fuel in other people's lives and say, you know what? God can do this. I know he can do this. You know what? I, I may be blessed in that area, but I am rooting for you and believing for you, and I'm alongside of you in this area of your life. Let's believe together. Let's contend together. Let's work together. This applies to you know, our families, and it applies to um, our church family, Um, And one of the the things that's really different when you read what's going on here in Scripture and when we make an application to us today is that culture has changed a lot. What I mean by that is in Bible times and even today in other parts of the world, they are far more communal in their relationship to one another. They don't think as individualistically as we do. They think in terms of the whole community. They're just far more community-based. And in a, especially in a modern Western culture, we're just way more individualistic. You know, I've got my property and my and my and my house and my, everything is my, right? There are a lot of places in the world that don't think in terms of my, they think in terms of our. And the reality is you could, you could try to value one over the other, and the reality is there's probably a good both and in there, Right? There's value to a good, strong, community-based uh, way of looking at things. And there's value in seeing your relationship with God and your accountability to God and your your relationship with God and not just riding the coattails of the community, right? So there's, there's a both and in there. But when we read this, we need to know that we lean way more individualistically than communal, right? So we have to be more intentional when we read a scripture like this. Like this is a little bit more... Um, a little bit more um, stark of a, con- of a story in our, for us and for our lives than it even would have been for the original audience. Because we're looking at this going, whoa. Like, let's leave my stuff and let me go fight with you. There's an intensity to that. And, you know, to be able to do community for us, there's a really practical way to do it. And you all know exactly what I'm going to say. It starts with life and ends with groups, right? I mean, it's just it's our practical, it's just our container. You know, it's just what we call it. But it's our, it's our way of making, um, building friendships and knowing one another, a, a, you know, a real practical thing. Uh, we, don't, we don't worship life groups, but man, we pound that drum, don't we? And it's really intentional because the gathering on a Sunday morning, whether you're online or in person, is awesome and it's great to meet and greet and you catch you know a little bit of what's going on in people's lives. But there is something about sitting down with folks. It's, there's something about praying with people and just saying, man, I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to believe with you in a way that is not um, condescending or arrogant and also that in a way that's not faithless and hopeless. There's something about when you get in the room And we know the right answer, and we begin to repeat what we know the right answer is, and we begin to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, right, that that Jesus is Lord, right. And there's something that happens. There's there's a um, there's a synergy that begins to happen when we begin to believe together. And you see, God created us for that. He created us. To, create, to have that kind of momentum together and that authority together. And the reality is that together there's this blessing. I believe it's Psalm 68 where it says that when the brethren dwell in unity, that God commands a blessing. There's something about that together that is exponentially more powerful than alone. And there's something just right about contending with for each other and contending with one another. And even as I'm sharing this message this morning, I'm, I'm praying that, that in your heart, God is leading you to relationships and interactions and places in your life right now where you're like, I need to more intentionally come alongside of that person. You know, that text that says, hey, I'm praying for you today. And I'm believing for you today. And I'm trusting that God's going to do something in there. or in asking somebody, hey, how's it going in such and such area? In a way that's not pressure or weird or expecting a specific answer, but in a way that's sincere and says, I'm actually interested in like what's going on in your life. And, and I want you to share with me where you are. And if you're not doing well, it's okay. I'm not going to like come down on you or be weird to you. I'm just going to come along and encourage you and love you right where you're at. There's something about that that we all need. And the way that we can oftentimes receive it is by giving it to others and serving others in that way. And it's just so Christ-like to care about what's going on in the lives of others. I know that you're impressed the way I am when you read the Gospels and you see Jesus meeting the real need of the person in front of him. Their real need, whether it's healing or relationships or teaching. He's meeting their real needs in that real moment. Jesus cares about where people are in their lives in that moment. I want to give you a couple of caveats to what I'm sharing with. Because this principle of contending with one another is really, really powerful. But one of the things that we can't do is we can't want it for our brothers and sisters more than they want it themselves. Sometimes we can see a need and we can want something for someone and like we have more energy in it than the person does. Can you imagine if the other 10 tribes said, well, then you cross the Jordan and you go take all the land for us and we'll wait with your wives and children and you go do the work. That would be weird, right? I mean, that, that just doesn't make sense. Um, there's something about coming alongside that we got to, be in, we got to walk together. Sometimes that means we have to walk with people slower because they're not willing to walk as fast. Sometimes we have faith because maybe we've received an inheritance in an area, we've had breakthrough in an area, and we're like, baby, let's run. Let's do this. Let's make it happen right now. And they're like, slow your roll. I'm working up to it. You're like, but you could have it now. Just give me some time. It takes wisdom to be willing to walk with somebody where they are. And to have just enough nudge to move each other forward, but you can't run ahead of where people are. You can't make people want something more than they want it. You can pray for them. You can say, God, just let a revelation in their heart happen. Let something happen. But there's something about walking with people. Isn't that what God does with us? Because even in an area where maybe you've received an inheritance, there are other areas in your life where you're like, you know what, this this place isn't where I want it to be, where I need it to be, and there's this long suffering that I'm experiencing in this area of my life, and how much would you like for somebody to go, man, I'm good in that life, you should be too. Like, that's just not how it works. And God is so patient with us. He's so gracious with us, but he's always leading us towards faith and not towards fear. And he's always leaning towards the hope and not towards the destruction. He's always leaning us towards his kingdom and his righteousness and what he has for us. And I just love that about our God. He doesn't change his position, but he works with your pace. Sometimes we want to run ahead of God. And he's like, you got to wait on, wait for it. It's it's on its way, wait for it. Because see, we don't control him. Our faith doesn't control him. It cooperates with him. Another caveat is that we all we also have to watch our own hearts that we don't keep our brothers and sisters from receiving their inheritance. Like there isn't something that begrudges someone who receives an inheritance, maybe a restored relationship or some kind of financial breakthrough or something that happens in their life and we go, we want to kind of hold them back cuz we want to keep them where we are. That's just weird. And it's selfish, right? Because um, there's a concept in the world that's called zero-sum game, which means there's one pie and everybody only gets so much of it, which means if you get some, then I don't get it. Because you have it, I don't get to have it. That's not the way that God works. God created the universe out of nothing. He doesn't need something to create something. It's not a zero-sum game from him, for him. For him, he can receive all of you and all of us, right? Like, he, he has a big heart and he's, he's got a big purse. He's very generous. He can make every relationship work that wants to cooperate with him. Like, like he, he, it's not a zero-sum game for him. He's a generous God. And the healthy thing for our hearts is to root people on in their blessing. Hey, hey, praise God. Let's give him glory. I'm so thankful and happy for you, because jealousy, is a, it's a sinful thing in our heart, not a righteous thing in our heart. Now I told you this story, it begins in, with Moses and it, and it concludes in Joshua's time, because Moses would not enter the land, it would be Joshua. So it'd be Joshua, if you will, executing this plan of the Gadites and the Reubenites coming in. In Joshua 22, verse 1, it says, then Joshua summon the Reubenites. Do I have that right back there? Is it Joshua 22? Okay. I had to double check a scripture earlier today to make sure that I had the right address. Joshua summoned the Reubenites and the Gadonites and the half-tribe of Manasseh and said to them, you have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded for a long time now. Y'all catch that? A long time. I just want to pause there for a moment. This word isn't a word for a week or for a month. This is a concept of how we walk with each other until we receive our eternal inheritance, right? For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your fellow Israelites, but have carried out the mission that the Lord your God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given you rest as he has promised, return to your homes and land that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you on the other side of the Jordan. Jo- by Joshua 22, they've gone throughout Israel and they've taken the inheritance of the land. And now it's like, hey, y'all did the whole job and you did the entire thing. Now it's time to go and rest in the inheritance that the Lord has given you. I want to ask you today, what is, what is it? who is it that God is calling you to walk alongside. And it's not just one person. There's a we in it, right? There's a, there's a we in that, in knowing who we walk in and asking God for wisdom. How do I walk alongside of others? What I love about the wisdom of this word is that it causes us to not think about ourselves only, Right? God cares about your needs. He cares about what's going on in your life. But there's something so godly about caring about what's going on in one another's lives um, that just takes us to a, to a place that's more Christ-like. What I love is that God I think, has the same mentality of, hey, I'm willing to, I want everyone to participate. You know, if you... Um, Maybe you are in a place in your own life where you believe in God. You believe that, that Jesus came to this earth and He paid for your sins, but maybe you've never had that moment in your life where you said, "Hey, I want to make Jesus the Lord, like the master of my life, and I want to turn my life over to Him and take the rule and the reign out of it, out of my own life." What I love is in Second Peter two, excuse me, Second Peter three, verse nine. They're talking about in the scripture how, why hasn't Jesus come back yet? Like, why aren't we all just going on into heaven, right? Have you ever wondered that? I remember I asked that question when I was in Bible college in a chapel once. I went up to one of the professors and I said, why why don't we just like, why doesn't Jesus just come back? Like, let's just call this thing and like, let's go. And this scripture in verse 9, 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, "...the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise." As some understand slowness, instead he's patient with you, not wanting any of you to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. This scripture is talking about how the reason the Lord hasn't called it called it the reason that the Lord the second coming hasn't happened is he is giving time for people to hear the gospel, the good news that Jesus came, and to turn their lives over to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord and the master of my of, of mine. You see, some of us have received an inheritance that's eternal. And Jesus said, but there's many who haven't received it and who still have time because the Lord hasn't come back. And I want to tell you today that if you're in a place where you've never made that decision to turn your life over to Jesus, he has been patient and he has been waiting and he wants you to receive the inheritance of an eternal home in heaven with him and walking with him on this planet and knowing him and knowing his blessing and knowing his his fruitfulness in your own life. But he won't force you to take it. He makes an offer to you to turn your life over to him. That's what repentance is, is to turn your mind, turn your thought, to turn your heart away from ruling over your own life and turn your life over to him. I just want to encourage you, if you've never done that in your life, or maybe you've walked away, maybe you took those, those reins back in your own hands, I just want to encourage you, today is the day to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Forgive me of my sins. I want to trust my, put my life into your hands and trust you. If that's a decision that you need to make today, I just want to encourage you to make it today. Cry out to God. He will forgive your sins. He will start a new life for you today. And he'll fill you with his spirit. It's such a dramatic difference in in living life. But he has been patient, not wanting anyone to perish. It's that same perspective that says, you know what? Some have received their inheritance, but we're going to keep on fighting for yours. If you're making that decision today for the very first time, uh, or even if you're just saying, I'm just needing to re, uh, re, uh, re-up, if you will, and put my life back into his hands. If you're watching online today or to the podcast, you can go to victorychristian.church and click on next steps because we want to know about it because it is the greatest decision you're ever going to make. And we want to be able to walk with you. If you're making that decision in the in-person service, I just want to pray with you today before you leave this day. Would you stand with me? I, I want to take a moment And I want to ask God to give us a great big heart for one another. Would you say that phrase, one another? It's such a beautiful phrase. And you know, I preached it in a way that just makes it just sound so nice and easy, but I want to tell you this is difficult at times. Right? It's difficult. It takes some energy. It takes some heart collateral to be able to do this. But the thing is that if you operate within his heart and his strength, there's a grace there to do it. And I just want to pray, God, give us a great big heart for one another. And help us to know like assignments where you're calling us alongside of people to contend for them. Amen? Father, we love you today. We thank you for this story that's nestled in your word with a beginning and an ending even in a different book altogether of of Scripture. We thank you, God, that they were faithful to the mission all the way to the end. And we recognize that, God, as long as we have breath in our lungs, we have a mission to love one another, to serve one another, to contend for one another, and that God, as, as we do that, Lord, we know that you also look after us. So God, I just pray that as a, as a church family, community of believers, God, that we in our hearts would have capacity, energy, and your sincere love to be able to contend for one another. Father, make our assignments clear. Give us the strength and the joy and and the wisdom to know how to walk alongside of one another. Help us, Lord God, to rejoice when our brothers and sisters receive inheritance and, Father, to contend in the areas, Father, where where we need to contend. God, we, we lean into faith today. We lean into trust. We lean into you, knowing, God, that you're a good provider, that you have what we need, the wisdom that we need. And Father, that you're a good God, and a loving God, and a faithful God. And Father, even as we lean into faith, we don't use it to control you, but we, we, we allow it, God, to put our trust and our hope in you, knowing that you're a God who moves, and God, that our faith counts and that it matters. So Lord, as a family, may the report in our lips and the report in our mouths, Lord Jesus, may that report be a report of faith that God can do this. And Lord, we thank you today for your great patience. Not wanting anyone to perish. May we have that same heart. That God, that we want to not see folks perish and be away from you for eternity. God, we love you and we honor you. And we just ask you, would you do these things in our hearts today? We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like to know how you can give go to victorychristian.church have a great day